and welcome to Shop Talk, the real estate show. I'm John Forche, and joining me on this episode is Nick Prefontaine, partner and coach at Smart Real Estate Coach. So thanks, Nick, for joining me. I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to talk to someone during this this craziness that's going on. (laughs) Sick of being uh, quarantined in your own house? Yeah. (laughs) All right, Nick, well, can you tell us just a little bit about your background? Sure. Um, I really like to, I always like to start when I was younger and the experience that I had, I got into a snowboarding accident. Uh, The day was ski club. I was 14 years old and of course excited to go to ski club. On the way to the mountain, we, my friends and I brought our stuff on the bus, our snowboarding gear, like, you know, everything we needed, snow pants and goggles and coat and everything. We brought that on the bus to get ready so as not to miss a precious moment once we got to the mountain. So that enabled us to get a couple more runs in that we're always, we're always looking for that edge. Um, as I'm sure you can appreciate. Oh yeah. You know, in Denver. Um, so we got, we got to the mountain and because we were ready, we headed straight for the top. Now on the way to the top, we noticed that it was very icy because it had been raining. People were wiping out everywhere. Uh, but needless to say, we got to the top and I buckled in and all my friends were talking about, oh, you'd be crazy to hit that jump. And it was, it was a big jump at the time and it was really icy. And of course, I took that like I, like I took anything at that age and, and still really, I take things whenever people try to, whenever people slight me or, or talk a little, not even negatively, but underestimate my abilities I always take it as a challenge so I headed for the big that jump it was the biggest jump with all my speed and then going going up to the jump it was a tabletop I caught the edge of my snowboard and that kind of threw me off balance and it was too close to the top to stop John so I had to go off the jump and I was off balance. So I landed right on my head and I was later told that I wasn't uh, wearing a helmet that I did land on my head, that I wasn't wearing a helmet. And I was in a coma for three weeks. Wow. And, um, I, they actually tried to life fight me, but it was too windy. So they couldn't, you know, they couldn't life fight me. They said just on the impact alone, I would have been out for about seven to 10 days, but they had to seduce me just because they said if I woke up and I panicked and I was freaked out what had happened, I already had swelling in my brain. So that would have increased and then I would have died. So they had to, they had to sedate me a little bit. And that's what uh, led to the coma being the coma for three weeks. When I was in the coma, the doctors told my parents that even if he makes it out, he's probably not going to walk, talk, or eat on his own again. So as you can imagine, that was that was a uh, well, it was a hard pill for them to swallow at the time hearing that news. But whenever the doctors would share the grim news more and more. And it wasn't at the beginning, especially at the beginning, it wasn't 
more and more positive, of course. It was just getting worse and worse and worse every time they sh- the doctor came in to share news. My parents would always say, would always stop them, right? The doctors, right before they shared information and said, no, 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 not in here, not in front of him, even though I was in the coma, because they understood the power of, even though I was in a coma, I was still taking in information through the unconscious mind, you know, the subconscious mind. So they always asked the doctor to leave, to go outside the room to share that news with them. And I think that was, that was probably a, a huge benefit. Not probably, I'm sure that was a, that was a benefit in my recovery. Um, then after about a month, I was, after I was stabilized, I was transported to Franciscan Children's Hospital in Brighton. And that's where I learned how to walk, talk, and eat again, all right there. And it was a little under, it felt like two years, um, of course, going through that. But that I was, excuse me, I was there for a little under two months. Um, it felt a lot longer than that when I was going through it, of course, but that's where I, I had a physical occupational and speech therapy I had double sessions. So I would have, there were long days. I would have physical occupational and speech therapy in the morning and I would have lunch. Then I would have physical occupational and speech therapy in the afternoon. So they were, there were long days for me. I'm going through that. And then I just, just looking back on it, John, I'm, I'm just, I don't know. It, it's kind of crazy to me that it was only, that it was only two years, not necessarily like my accident. It's just like when that happened, I, I just, I dealt with it. I just did the best I could every day. I got up, I took that next step forward. I did the best I could every day. And I was able to recover, but it's amazing me looking back on that two years, only two years after that, I was, I got my start in real estate and that was, I had actually gotten interested in real estate and I grew up around it. My parents were always doing things like fix and flip projects and raise the roof projects on ranches. And uh, my dad was a builder, then an investor. Um, and a realtor. So I always was around real estate, but I, I first got interested in it around 15 or 16. And I asked my dad, like how I could, how I could get started, how I could help out. And he, he actually at the time was 0506. They were just starting like a new venture of door knocking on uh, pre foreclosure doors or homeowners that have received the notice of default letter from the bank, meaning they miss one, two, uh, three, even upwards of 10 to 12 payments and the bank still hadn't foreclosed on the house. So I would go and knock on their door and try to get them to work with us. I would present, present our solution to them. Uh, we're doing things a little differently than we're doing now, but um, I would tell them certain ways that uh, we could help them out of their unfortunate situation. And that led to getting several properties under contract. Um, and then shortly, I did that while I was in high school, 16, 17, 18, and then 
uh, after I graduated, I started studying to get my real estate license. And I was a realtor full time for six years uh, during during a great market. Um, I got my license in March of 08. Oh, nice. Oh. Great timing. <laughs> so the only the only thing I knew, John, was um, was that market. People, sellers at the time were always telling, well, well, at the peak, you know, in 06, my home was like, that didn't mean anything to me because all I knew was post, you know, 2008, 2009, yeah. after that. So I didn't, I didn't know a good market. So I think that was almost a benefit for me. Then around 2000, I would say it was around 2014, 2015, my dad asked me if I wanted to help out on the marketing of his properties because he was, he was getting a lot of properties under contract. He needed help with the marketing of those properties. So I was even hesitant at the time to even help him out. I was like, no, no, no. I got my own thing going on. You know, I'm doing, I'm doing well. And I don't, you know, I don't want to confuse the two. And then thankfully he stayed on me. He, you know, asked me more than once. Um, because it led to what I'm doing today, which is then the then helping with the marketing led to working with all the buyers um, for for the properties that he got, and then that that led to developing the process, the buyer process, the system that we're taking the buyers through from first call all the way to uh, signing and funding with the attorney, and. That entire process enables us and enables our and it enables our associates out there to maximize the uh, profit on every single deal and basically to squeeze every little bit out that you can. And there's a number of different ways that we do that. And I work hand in hand with our associates to do that to this day. Wow. That was pretty long winded. That's quite a story. That's, uh, that's crazy. <laughs> wow. Um, so, I mean, you, you sort of alluded to it, but what do you feel like you learned after you recovered from your accident? Um, I mean, I learned the significance of the importance of every day. Um, and really that, you know, you just, you're only guaranteed what you have today and to just do the best you can with what you have. Yeah. See, this comes out differently on, um, and I was, I was on an interview last week. It comes out differently every single, and, and I actually enjoy it that way, but sharing my accent comes out differently in every, every single um, interview is different. And I don't necessarily, I like that because I don't necessarily like to stick to a script and mm -hmm. be a robot. I like, I like that at different parts of the story come out in every single interview. It's, it's always a little different, but the premise of the story is always the same. Sad. I'm here today. I got in the accident. I'm here today. So. Wow. So what do you say to agents faced with adversity? I mean, I feel like this puts you in a unique spot of, I mean, you had a crazy obstacle in front of you and you overcame it. I would say, I would say just do, do what I do, what I was just alluding to, which is just do the best you can with, with what you have today. 
Now, when I was first starting out as an agent in 2008, 2009, when I, when I got my real estate license, I was, I, again, like I was saying, I didn't know any better. So I would, I was starting out by just cold calling, you know, doing just listed calls or just sold calls around properties that had sold. Not even necessarily my listing or a house that I sold to a buyer, but I, that's, that's just how I started. So I don't know. Uh, that's, that's the path that I saw at the time to get business and that's what I made work. So I would say with the advent of technology and there's so many tools and resources out there right now, just don't get in. This is still something that I get. I'll tend to get lost in technology or like systems and you got to do this and you got to do that. I, I was commenting to my dad last week that I, it was actually, it might've been a couple of weeks ago, John, but I was commenting to him that I love just prospecting. I love just cold calling because it's so simple. You just have a list of names and numbers. You call them to see if you can help them. That's it. There's no tools. There's no systems. There's yeah. no, there's no, you got to do this. And when you're here, you got to do that. And then you got to jump on one foot when you're on this website. And it's just, you can't get confused by, okay, there's a name, there's a number. Yeah. You go to the phone and dial it and call and see if you can help them. Well, it's just, it's, I mean, it's just human contact, right? Yes. Yeah, exactly. One person talking to one person. Yeah. So there's a lot of agents, uh, especially early in their careers who are freaked out by that, you know, cold calling or, or doing what you did at 16, just knocking on doors. Uh, what would you say to them? Uh, start. <laughs> just do just it. Start. Yeah. Just start. Because when, when I, at 16, when I was door knocking pre foreclosure doors or uh, notice of default doors, I didn't, I mean, I had a little tutorial, like, I, I had, okay, this is a script that you're supposed to use. I practiced and rehearsed it a few times, thought I had it down cold. And then I went out there and just started. Mm-hmm. I thought I knew enough and I started. I knocked on those few, the, um, I would have about a month worth of doing doors. And when I say a month worth, I mean, I had to go to school during the week. <laughs> so, I mean, I mean, on the weekends, I yeah. would, I would go out, I would go out on like a Saturday or a Sunday and I would do at the beginning, it wasn't a lot of doors, but I would do like, I don't know, 20 to 30. And at the beginning, I just, I just had a script. I had no one to, no one to model, uh, no one to follow, to critique me, to help me get better. I just, I just had a script. So I had a script. Okay. This is what you do. I was told this, you basically go and knock on the door, read the script, see if you can help them out and see if you can get appointments set up for the investor to come down and have a next level meeting with them to see mm-hmm. if you can buy the home. So I, I did that. Um, I didn't have a lot of success. I, th- I think I had very, very minimal success. But then shortly after starting, my cousin Mike and I flew out to California to shadow the number one guy in the country who's having success doing these um, pre-foreclosure doors. His name was Colin. He was out in San Diego. Once I saw the success that Colin was having, 
and how his approach really differed from mine, I immediately, when I got back home to the East Coast, changed my, my approach. And I started, I started seeing success. I started getting invited in to, hmm. you know, the kitchen table, the dining room table a lot more often. And I was able to set up a lot more appointments. But that was just because, first off, I started. I didn't, I didn't really, this is, and this is how I've operated my whole life. I didn't know what I was doing at first. I just, I, I started. And then once I started, I could find ways that I could improve, mm-hmm. which is like, for an example, I went to, we went and shadowed Colin uh, in San Diego, saw his techniques and strategies and how much success he was having. And then I model, I, I adjusted my behavior and I started doing it like him and I started seeing results. And that's, that's how I've always, I, I never went to college. Um, that's always how I've treated it. Not that that's an excuse or anything, mm-hmm. but I'm just saying I never, I always start before I, before I know how to do it. Um, because by starting you, you can always get better. Sure. If you wait to learn everything um, before you start, chances are you're not going to be very good anyway. So you might as well get you might as well get started and get comfortable with being uncomfortable. After the break, we discuss what it means to buy on terms. Are you thinking of taking the next step in your career, but you don't think you have what it takes? Whether you're like Nick and had a terrible snowboarding accident, or you just don't know where to start, now is a great time to do so. Use promo code SHOPTALK to save 25% on any online course at the CE Shop and take your real estate career to the next level. So what was Colin doing that you weren't? It's funny because I would go up to the door I had a list and like I said, I had a script. So I would go, I would, okay, you got to go to this address, knock on the door. So I would go right up to the door, knock on the door, wait for them to come to the door. And I would, I would basically freak people out because <laughs> I'd be, I'd be, I'd be like right in their face. Like, Hey, my name is Nick Prefontaine with, you know, pre properties. I'm here to, I'm here to help you out of your unfortunate situation. And it would really turn people off. Colin's approach, on the other hand, was he would go up, he would go up to the door, maybe take a step up the steps, you know, a light, friendly jingle, you know, on the door like a, like a friend. Yeah. And he would take a step back and they would come to the door. And as soon as they would come to the door, he, he'd say, oh, he'd look down at his list and say, look on either side. Oh, gosh, I'm, you know, I'm sorry. I don't know if I have the right address i'm going crazy do you do you mind help me out um just confirming something for me and once the homeowner the prospective homeowner saw their name on the list they would open up to them tell them what happened oh the bank the the bank's mm-hmm. stupid the bank this the bank that or, oh here's what happened i got an accident i'm working back to pay back and everything but by doing that and having opening that dialogue with them then they were comfortable. Mm-hmm. They were comfortable talking to him about a, a potential solution. Oh, because now it's a conversation. It's not a sales pitch. Yeah, exactly. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. So for 
new agents, new real estate agents, what do you think is the biggest misunderstanding they have about real estate? Um, I would say, okay, so this goes where, where um, we work with investors and we are investors now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think this goes with anyone in real estate in general, not just agents. I think the biggest misconception is the only way to buy a property is by going to a bank and getting a conventional loan and buying a, buying a home that's listed with a realtor or listed for sale by owner or something like that. Something that, that is on the market out there. But there are, there are more ways to do there are more ways to do things than just the standard conventional way of doing things. And that, that's kind of what we specialize in. Yeah. Uh, so I, I talked about it when I had your dad, Chris on the show yeah. and your brother-in-law, Zachary mm-hmm. Beach. Uh, yeah. But in case someone hasn't listened to those episodes, what does it mean when you guys talk about buying or selling a property on terms? Sure. Well, it's, and I'll give, I can give your listeners after I, I delve into it a little bit, I can give your listeners some things to check out if what I say resonates with them at all. But Basically, what it is, 10,000 foot view, it's a delayed cash sale. So, we'll, we will uh, enter into a contract with the seller or with a homeowner to buy their property at a certain price. Now, that price is probably going to be a little higher than what they're able to get on the open market conventionally with a realtor. So mainly we target homes that have had trouble selling on the open market. So we'll go in, uh, say to the homeowner that we'll, we'll, we'll buy it at the higher price or we'll get, we'll give them that higher price, but it's going to come in the form of a delayed cash sale. So then they wouldn't necessarily get all their money today, but they will at the end of, you know, three, five, you know, seven years, whatever, whatever we're able to negotiate at that point. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah. And you, you guys have written a few books uh, along these lines, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, my dad, my dad wrote a Amazon bestseller real estate on your terms and my brother-in-law Zach and I wrote a, wrote a bestseller with him called the new rules of real estate investing. And if your listeners are interested in that, they can go, we can send them a free copy. And when I say free, John, I mean a hundred percent free. We'll, we'll pay for the shipping. Um, oftentimes when, when you subscribe to these things that say, we'll send you a free book, it's, Oh, you got to pay $10 for shipping. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but we'll take care of that. Obviously it's a little delayed with the whole coronavirus as we're not in the office. But if, if your listeners go to new rules for free.com, they can submit their info there and uh, get the free book sent out to them. Awesome. And if what, if what I have to say resonates at all, excuse me, if what I have to say resonates at all with any of your listeners, they can go in there interested in learning more about this uh, non-conventional approach, buying and selling on terms. They can go to smartrealestatecoach.com. And again, that's smartrealestatecoach.com. And right on the homepage, they can get registered with the free on your terms webinar. 
that's going to give them 60 minutes of great information, great content. And if by the end, the whole premise makes sense to them, it's not for everyone, but if it, if it seems like a good fit for them, they're able to take the next step at the end of that webinar. Awesome. Yeah. That's a great place to start if anyone's was interested. So I'd be remiss to act like nothing big is happening in the industry actually in the world right now. Uh, we're both recording from quarantine in our own houses. Uh, how do you expect the housing market to look a few months from now? Well, we always talk about this and that the mark, the, the market, mm-hmm. because that's, that's what anyone, any, anyone out there says to us, well, Hey, how do you think the market is right now? Well, there's thousands of different markets all over the country. Um, but I think right now we're seeing that people are looking for an alternative to the conventional way to buy and sell real estate, which is what we're able to offer. So the one way that the majority of people think is the way to buy a house, you go and look at a house, say it's listed with a realtor, you make an offer, then you go to a bank, you get a conventional loan with them, you get approved for the loan and you sign personally on the house, you put a 20% down payment down and you buy the home. Um, now the way the way we're we're doing things, buying and selling on terms, we're buying on a either a lease purchase uh, with the owner financing. If if the seller, if the homeowner does not have a mortgage, we'll we'll structure an owner financing deal where we can do uh, principal only payments. That's that's our, that's one way that we buy. Um, also subject to their existing loan. If they have an existing loan on the property and it's close to the value of the home, we'll buy it subject to the existing loan. So there's a number of ways that we can buy, but we're always selling on a rent-to-own or a lease-purchase, meaning that we're we're sticking a buyer in there with a down payment, um, anywhere from 3 to 10%. Then during the process, we're getting them connected with a great credit enhancement company that's going to get back to us all and let us know how long it's going to be until they're mortgage ready. And then we'll just make sure we're giving them plenty of time with the lease to become mortgage ready how the coronavirus is changing things. So our process, the buyer pro the process that I'm bringing the buyer through each, each deal um, to maximize their down payment and maximize the profit over the course of the deal is changing. Um, it's changing in that we weren't going out to show homes um, to begin with. We were never doing that. We were always setting setting up a lockbox on the home and then allowing the person to go view it. If the home was vacant, if the home was occupied, we were having a our partner. That's what we refer to them as because they are our partner. We have equitable interest in the property, walk them through the property. How it's changing, we're just being a little bit more cautious um, about who we're sending in there, we're vetting them a little bit more than we were because before I think we were, we were on the school of thought that we just wanted to get them in the home to see if it, they even liked it because oftentimes it wouldn't even be them anyway. Mm-hmm. But now we're pre-qualifying them a little more, of course, making sure they're feeling okay and they're not, you know, 
they don't have the sniffles or they don't have a cough or sore throat or anything as much as we can. But then after they view the home, they'll get it, they'll get an application back to us that says they're interested and that will tell us what they can do for a down payment, their income, what caused their credit challenge. Then once I get those back, once we get those back, I'm calling them to, I'm calling the buyer to review those. And then in most cases, John, we're able to set up a buyer's meeting. Now a buyer's meeting where we would have buyers drive to our office sometimes up to two hours away, uh, come meet with us in our office in Middletown, Rhode Island. However, this is where it's really changing because with everything going on, we have to do the buyer's meeting virtually. So it's kind of unfortunate just because the driving aspect of it shows the buyer's commitment level. If someone wants to drive an hour, an hour and a half, even two hours for a home, they're obviously committed. Yeah. Um, we would always, we would always require them to bring a, uh, bring a bind, a thousand dollar binder deposit. Now, instead how that's working, we're have, we're giving them our account information having them deposit it prior to the buyer's meeting. And then we're doing the buyer's meeting virtually where we're just kind of going over everything in more detail. Then if they, they get accepted after that, then they have to set up their closing with our attorney. Hmm. It's all, it's just like you, it's all something that we're navigating us uh, both us and our associates all over the country, we're, we're all navigating it together. So I'm not saying there's a one size fits all that works. That That's just what we see is working and, and how it's changing uh, currently right now. Yeah. We're finding more, more and more um, sellers reach back out to us from months ago when we called them originally to say, oh, I'm interested in working with you guys now. So very wow. interesting. That's great. Yeah, it's it's something that I've talked with um, some colleagues about. You know, if this had all happened even 20 years ago, it would look so different. I mean, at least now we have you know virtual options for uh, yeah. video calls. Um, not quite as good as the real thing, but at least we can maintain yeah. some sanity that way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, why do you think it's so important to align yourself with uh, an advisor who is themselves still doing deals? Uh, this is important, and this is one of the things that um, that I may have touched on talking about it by saying that uh, both us and our associates are all navigating this together. So the important thing is we're still doing deals. So as we as we're still in the trenches doing deals in our own you know our own business. So as we find different hurdles or different stumbling blocks with the market. And, you know, the market changing with, um, you know, not being able to meet buyers, excuse me, not being able to meet buyers physically for a buyer's meeting and have them do the binder deposit uh, prior to the buyer's meeting and, and all little minute details like that. If we had done these even five years ago and we were advising people on how to do them, we, we wouldn't know. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't think of to do that, but we're actually doing this. So we're, we're navigating it together with our associates out there. So I think it's important every time there's a change in the market or there is a crisis like we're going through right now, 
we're able to give up to the up to the minute um, updates on what we're doing differently and how they can they can implement that in their business. Whereas if someone did a deal five years ago on this very topic and they wouldn't be able to tell you what to do if this, if this happened, if they weren't still doing deals. Yeah, that's a good point. You guys are facing the same challenges. So yep. you know how to approach Absolutely. it. So uh, what advice would you give to an agent trying to build out their own team? This is interesting. Um, because I know, I know I have a, um, I have a unique perspective on this than, um, than anyone else because I lived it. I feel that, I feel that you should max yourself out first, like get to a point where you can't do it. You like, you can't do anymore to get to the next level. You're going to need some help. And then at that point, you should hire someone. And then now whether that's an assistant or a transaction coordinator or someone to help with the buyers, just I feel as if if you're doing that, if you're able to max yourself out, then when you make that first hire, you'll be able to tell whether that person that you hired is maxed out or not. If they are maxed out, then that's your next hire. So I just think it's a very, um, it's a very, you know, uh, systematic growth process. If A, then B, if B, then C. Um, but I know I differ, I differ with people out there with uh, how I think with, in that regard. No, I think that's great advice. I mean, you know, don't hire someone until you have something for them to do. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, this is my last question, Nick. Uh, if you could go back to the beginning of your career, and change one thing, what would it be? Hmm. What do you mean the beginning of my career? Like, what are we well, talking just when, about? You know, when you got started in real estate or anywhere near what you consider the beginning of, uh, you know, the journey you're currently on. Hmm. I would say, I'm going to go back just because this, your audience is, is um, focused on, focus on realtors and helping realtors. I'm just going to go back to my real, to when I got my real estate license, which would be March of 08. Um, and at that time I was, I just did the best I could with what I had. So in order to get a lead um, for me at the time, it was calling for sale by owners and expired listings. I knew I had to get I had to make X number of calls and I had to make X number of contacts. I broke down my goals to contacts. I just think do most people out there know what to do. So I would say you just, you just have to go ahead and execute that. Do the best you can with what you got. I don't know if I would change a heck of a lot just because of the journey that I've been on kind of brought me to where I am today. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you've, you've approached everything in the just do it and then adjust from there, which I think is a great mentality. Ready, fire, aim. There you go. <laughs> ready. Yeah. Ready, ready, fire, aim. Yeah, that's right. Answer, <laughs> answer run through that in my head. <laughs> okay. So you, you gave the website before, but uh, again, just if somebody wants to learn more about what you guys do at smart real estate coach, how can they reach you? Yeah, they can go to uh, the best 
best place to start is, again, it's smartrealestatecoach.com. And they can get registered right on the homepage for the On Your Terms webinar. And that's over 60 minutes or about 60 minutes of content in there. And if by the end, it's still, you know, it seems like it would be a good fit for them, which, you know, I'm not promising we're all things to all people. Mm -hmm. But if it does seem like a good fit for them, they'll be able to take that next step um, at the end of that webinar. Awesome. All right, Nick. Well, thank you for joining me. Thanks, John. Nice to talk with another human. <laughs> Absolutely. That's it for this episode of Shop Talk. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the talk, leave us a review or subscribe to us on your podcast player of choice. Shop Talk is a production of the CE Shop. 